It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy... Best parts of last week. Well, I too enjoyed the hike. It was so <laughs> fun. <laughs> so I really, fun. it was definitely a went day. Wall a lot further than we thought yeah. we were going to. And I was a little nervous yeah. at times that I got over my fear <laughs> there. The other thing was the surfing. I am so psyched that Carissa Moore yes, won yes, gold. Yes. Yeah. And then the silver was Bianca Bootendog from uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I love when they got out. Because they were in the final heat. When they mm-hmm. got out, they hugged each other. I just, Aww. I love that. Well, I saw that when Carissa did her, like, she must have known she won. Yeah. And I don't know how she knew that, but she just did, like, a little, you right. know, surfed right back in and looked yeah. as graceful as ever. Yeah. Just, you know, darling. Very yeah, pretty. Cool. And then, you remember um, when we ta- when I talked about her, I think it was episode 38, she was talking about how cool it was that Amuro Tezuki from Japan was stepping up and going to be in the... World Championships in 2020, mm-hmm. and she won bronze for Ooh. Japan. So I just thought that was Good. just so cool. Once again, girl power. Yeah, awesome. So awesome. I see why that's highlighted last week. I was looking at Facebook. I know I have mixed feelings about it, <laughs> but I came across a post from Caleb Smith. Remember? Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Peace Bunny is cute. Posting this video, reading back in episode 32. But his post was for Dinner on Blanc, which is dinner oh, in yes, white. Oh, I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, it's yes. on Instagram too. Uh, for Boom Island, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So Dinner in White began in Paris in 1988 when Frenchman Francois Pasquier, I don't know, I'm not very good at my French, but he invited a group of friends to an elegant outdoor Let's dinner. Let's do this. I know, in a park. And he asked them to wear white so they could find each other, which oh, I think this is kind of fun and mysterious. I love it. So it has grown over the years mm-hmm. and has spread to the U.S. And it can take place at a park or any outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. And there could be multiple dinners going on at the same time. And often now people just bring their own picnics. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like fun. Caleb was invited to this pop-up dinner on Boom Island. And the video was so beautiful. The guests dressed in white, the music, yeah, the chatting, the laughter. And then he had those bunnies, Rose and Ambrosia, <laughs> uh, their Angora bunnies. And then he had his um, buck-eyed buck, Beverin named <laughs> Sinatra. I just, and he's holding one of them yeah. dancing. It just was so adorable. But I think we definitely should do that. We need to. Yes. Yeah, I think that would be our, fun. Put that on our list. But then after enjoying Kayla's post, I read a post from my friend from Seattle, Donna, who posted an article about a 96-year-old nurse from Tacoma who just retired after 70 years. 96-year-old? Yeah. She, <laughs> she pretty impressive. Florence C.C. Rigney was the oldest working nurse in America. The story warmed my heart because my mom was a nurse. Yeah. CC went to the Tacoma General Nursing School and started working just after penicillin was introduced. So that gives you the... <laughs> She worked in Washington, Texas, and Wyoming. She was the operating nurse in charge of setting up the rooms specified by surgeons. And I love reading that she was active in her shifts, and staff had trouble keeping up with her. And she had a <laughs> Fitbit, and so she tracked her steps each day. She typically logged three miles a shift. Oh, my gosh. So I think that is pretty impressive. I love that. She's um, like the Jacqueline Lane of nursing. Totally. The article quote states, CC saying, um, she doesn't like to sit around. No duh. I mean, <laughs> at 65... 
she retired, but she couldn't stay away and came back. And it was only just in the last few years she scaled back to part-time. She's totally the energizer bunny. (laughs) Best of all, the hospital Tacoma Multi-Care Health Center has put together an endowed scholarship fund in honor of Cece to provide scholarships to multi-care nurses for continued um, learning and Mm -hmm. development. And this was sweet. One staff member notes that that is humbling to stop to think about the thousands and thousands of lives she cared for. Because really, yeah. over that period of time. Yeah. Anyways, no kidding. Both these little these stories made me smile. Definitely need to do a white dinner party. So part of what I love about doing this podcast is the learning. Oh, for sure. About the people. And some of them have been total unknowns. People have no idea who we're talking about. And others have been super famous. In both cases, they're people I don't know much about. Yeah. And I just love that with the podcast, that's changed a little bit. Right, right. I love the learning, too. Me, too. I came across a book called Finish First by Scott Hamilton. I just flew through the book. It's a super inspiring read, but I decided I needed to learn a little bit more about the super famous skater. And I, I have it. to smile. My mom loved him. She called him Scotty Hamilton. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. I, I mean, it's like she was. Anyways, but sweet. I also wanted to learn more about a gentleman he talked about in this book called oh. the guy's name was George Shin. Oh, George grew up in North Carolina. His family didn't have much money. He graduated from A.L. Brown High School and worked at a textile mill. And as a school janitor to pay his way to Evans Business College. Oh. So he graduates from college. He saves money to buy the school. He buys the school. Later he sells the school. And he buys the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. Anyway, in 1973, he founded the George Shin Foundation to provide scholarships for kids with limited resources. Hard work and paying it forward for sure, which I just. Oh, so I love it. Love, love, love it. But back to Scott Hamilton, who I'm obviously impressed by his athletic accomplishments. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, for sure. His Twitter description reads, husband, father, Olympic champion, cancer survivor, TV broadcaster, anchor, author, humanitarian, eternal optimist. I'm so impressed with his passion and drive for people off the ice more so. But um, I guess he was just interviewed by Bob Goff. The oh, other day. seriously. Wow. I love the connection. I know. The interview was called Skating into Olympic Joy, and I didn't even know that Bob Goff had a podcast. I didn't either. But it's called Dream Big, so I need to... I need well, this to, is that new project, the Dream Big project. The book, yeah. yeah. So I need to dig into that. But anyway, lots of tangents. Yeah, we're, I, love, <laughs> I love those connections and tangents. Yes. Scott Hamilton was born on August 28, 1958 in Toledo, Ohio. He was adopted at just six weeks old by Dorothy and Ernie Hamilton. They both were educators. He suffered from Schwarzman syndrome. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it's a rare disorder that limits nutrient absorption. Oh, okay. So basically it stunted his growth, and that's why Scott only grew to be, like, I, I read he's 5'4", which I think is a perfect height. Yeah. I put wink, wink, because I used to be 5'4". I think my spine's compressed a bit. I'm a little shorter. but So he was, you know, a little bit on the petite side. He started off playing hockey because his doctors had encouraged for him to do sports. Okay. Just to help him with him being kind of sickly. But he was much more drawn to figure skating. Very expensive sport. And he talks about how his family nearly went bankrupt to fund his skating. The more I uncovered about Scott Hamilton's story, the more I just totally admire his mom, Dorothy Hamilton, even more so than her son. Actually, I don't think I think that. I know that. 
he's the person he is in large part because of his mother. So I think both of his parents were pretty solid, but truth be told, I think his mom was just a little bit more of an influencer in his life. Like I said, both were educators. His dad had a PhD in biology, and his mom was a second grade teacher while he was growing up. But he talks about his mom teaching school, raising the kids, and going to school because eventually she also became a college professor. So she that's a lot. She yes, that's a lot. Huge, like a lot of responsibility. But her drive and love for her family inspires me. She completely, like everything you talked about, she sounds like such a selfless woman. It was all about others. She didn't have a lot of self-esteem, he would say, but continued to put herself out there for other people, mainly her, her children. Scott talked about skating being a sport for the wealthy. Yeah, I can imagine. It's expensive. Yeah. And many of the moms would have fancy clothes, fur, diamonds, And he said his mom was a little embarrassed that she didn't have any of these luxuries. Yeah. He said she never bought things for herself. She'd wear the same dresses for years. She canned and stockpiled food to save money. She sacrificed and pinched pennies just to keep Scott on the ice. So even though she was embarrassed in front of these other moms, she was doing it because she was sacrificing for her son. In 1975, Scott's mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. She'd have a mastectomy, and much of her left arm was removed, but he said she wouldn't complain. With her Mm -hmm. diagnosis, she told Scott he had one more year on the ice. She could only commit to that. So even with her cancer struggles, she was focusing on making sure Scott could keep skating. He commented there was a night when she had a twinkle in her eyes, and this woman, she knew that she had to get her affairs in order because of her disease, but she had helped secure a family to sponsor Scott, and that happiness was what he read that night in her eyes with a twinkle, that she was just the satisfaction that she knew she could relax a little bit because she knew that Scott could keep skating. I know, it just makes me cry. That love and determination, when you know your life is coming to an end, I just I, I just can't even imagine. She still was so focused on her kids. Yeah. Scott's mom believed in him at a time when others didn't. People could see that he had a lot of talent, but they thought right. he was wasting it, and he totally admits that he was. Yeah. The death of his mother changed that. She passed away on May 19th in 1977, and Scott decided that he was going to start making her proud. Oh. He knew that he had wasted his potential before. But her death, and really her life, gave him a new desire and drive to honor her. He wanted to be the person that she saw in him. Which I just love. It reminds me of that saying, be the person your dog thinks you are. We all all need to be better. Yeah. But it was definitely a pivotal point in his career for once he started actually showing up to practices. And he showed up before, but I mean, he showed up and dug in and did the work. He noted that he brought his mom with him to every single practice. There were other things that would align, obviously, at the same time, related to his competitors and the coaching, but ultimately it came down to his drive and commitment to make his mom proud, which I just love. I love that. And make her proud, he has. He went on to win four consecutive U.S. national championships, four world championships, a gold medal in Sarajevo. He was the first person to land a triple Lutz in the short program and the first skater to do a backflip on the ice, which is what I remember him Uh, for. Yeah, yeah. Losing his mom proved really to change. I mean, it just, like I said, it was a pivotal point. It changed everything in his life. I loved this book. So Finish First was very, from a motivational standpoint, 
I took notes with all the motivational oh, quotes, like each yeah. chapter has one, including one of my favorites by Leo Roster. The purpose of life is not to be happy, but to matter, to be productive, to be useful, to have it make a difference that you lived it all. Oh, which I think yeah, is, I mean, really, you really have to think about that. Yeah. I'm actually excited to read his previous book called The Great Eight, How to Be Happy, Even When You Have Every Reason to Be Miserable. Oh. So yeah. I'm excited to read that. But Scott inspires me more so because of his other endeavors, less so because of his books. Although I love he collaborated with Brad Paisley. Oh. Because they know. started open that store that you talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brad Paisley illustrated a book in February of 2020. It was called Fritzy, ah. which reminded me of your oh, dog. So um, cute. Fritzy finds a hat. Is it a dog in that book or what? Um is that? it's a, a family it's basically talks about um it kind of talks to kids okay. about cancer. I think okay. one of the parents has, um, I think, I want to say the mom has, okay. I, I don't know. I need to yeah. go find the book. Yeah. But um, all of the proceeds go to the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation and Moffitt Cancer Center. Oh, Moffitt Cancer Center is in uh, Florida, but it's one of the few hospitals in the world with specialists in evolutionary biology oh. and mathematical oncology. Okay. They work to anticipate a tumor's path which I think is brilliant and definitely ahead of the time. And also to harness the body's natural immune system to fight cancer. I love both of those. So they're working to fight cancer. His books are inspiring on their own way, and his skating has definitely brought smiles to countless faces. He skated for two years with the Ice Capades, making yeah. people happy. That's probably what your, your mom, mom went They to. went to that many times. <laughs> In 1986, he co-founded Stars yes, on Ice. I remember that, yeah. Always challenging the skaters to push their creativity for the audience. He didn't want them to just you know, skate by. He wanted right. them to, to perform something. and yeah. make people happy. He participated in the 2009 Celebrity Apprentice. That's oh, okay. all I'll say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that he recently surprised a young man. His name was Michael Carbonero, who helps with Autism Speaks. So oh. he's autistic, and he's doing what he can to help others who are autistic skate. Oh, that's awesome. So Scott Hamilton surprised him with an impromptu interview. I just, it's a short clip, but it just the sheer glee with the young man that Scott Hamilton would take the time to let him interview him. I mean, I think he was just speechless, but (laughs) made my heart happy to to see that Scott would take the time to talk about being that sick kid that he was, you know, years ago and how skating helped him cope with things. Right. Just like many of the kids that, this young man, Michael, knows and is trying to help. So I just, I love that. He also has a beautiful and supportive wife, Tracy. They have two adopted children oh, from Haiti okay. and then two biological kids. All cool stuff, but even cooler stuff to come. In 1990, the Make-A-Wish Foundation was celebrating their 10th birthday and recognized Scott Hamilton as their first ever celebrity wish granter. Oh. I guess it was a girl from Washington State, too. Oh, so, yeah, another cool. local connection. Yeah. But he's been a longtime volunteer with the Special Olympics, Aww. which we just covered in episode 40. Yeah. And he's currently a global ambassador. He's helped with St. Jude's Children's Hospital and is an honorary board member with the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. Equally cool, he's he helped start chemo care after going through treatment at Cleveland Clinic. So he discovered it was extremely challenging to find reliable resources for things related to cancer treatment. So chemo care went live in 2002 as a dependable source for cancer patients undergoing treatment for both the patients and the caregivers. Mm. It lists chemotherapy drugs, side effects, and general cancer wellness information. 
ChemoCare provides links to all sorts of cancer treatment information and has a wealth of reliable information. Since going live in 2002, they've updated the site to include educational videos, be more mobile-friendly, which I think is good at the times, and offer Spanish translation. Cool, but still cooler, or at least I think so. My favorite is that he created the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation. So Cares is an acronym for Cancer Alliance for Research, Education, and Survivorship. It also was created while he was undergoing treatment at the Cleveland Clinic. He noted that he had three angels during his treatment. So first was his oncologist. Yeah. Second was his oncology nurse. Third angel, his family and friends, which I just, I I love that. Yeah, I like that vision. Yeah, me too. Scott felt there was a fourth angel missing. So he wanted someone who had been there and could understand what they were going through and be a mentor of sorts. So fourth angel was created. It's a mentorship program pairing cancer survivors with their peers. The mission of cares. Isn't it cool? Just Someone else is going through with what you're going through and all that. Exactly. The mission of CARES is to provide personalized peer support and empower those impacted by cancer. There's a gentleman by the name of Scott Williams on the CARES website fundraising for research and to raise awareness for brain cancer and glioblastoma multiforme. But I read that GBM is arguably the deadliest type of cancer with no known cause or cure. So Scott Williams was diagnosed with it in September of 2019, and he decided to bike 444 miles of the Natchez Trace, which is an historic parkway in Jackson, Mississippi. He set to uh, earn $30,000 for research. The hashtag was Erase the Trace. He met it and and changed. The website has uh, several fundraisers, and they're all trying to stop cancer. Their website also includes a stat from cancer.org that by 2030, 21.4 million people worldwide will be diagnosed with cancer. A grim reminder that this organization is so needed. I love one of their bullet points notes that they want to encourage compassion that changes fear to hope. So in the book, I love one of many of Scott's messages, but probably his biggest one in here was that the only true disability is a bad attitude. He told the story of a a young man named Kyle Maynard. Kyle was born without arms or legs, and he wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow, yeah. So not only did he crawl up the mountain, but he took the ashes of a fallen soldier who had wanted to have his ashes spread on the top. So that was his final wish. And Scott talked about, well, several times in, in his book about having a bad attitude being a huge disability, but he spoke about feeling pretty dang good about himself when he was invited to speak at the 1984 Paralympic Games in Denver. And he was feeling good because he had just won gold in Sarajevo. And he was feeling confident and pretty accomplished. And after all, he had just won gold. So I can understand why he was feeling extremely confident, maybe borderline arrogant. But he said he walked into this room and that quickly faded as soon as he entered it. And he saw these Paralympic athletes that were there to hear him talk and, and be motivated by, you know, the Scott Hamilton. And these were people that they do things that most people could never imagine doing every day. In turn, he was inspired by their determination and that they don't allow limitations to keep them from achieving their dreams. So I just love that he was so honest with, you know, here he was a gold medal winner, but yet he went in and, and he was just very humbled by these athletes. So I guess it's clear that I I liked his book and can't wait to read his other previous one. 
But I love his message of hard work. He wanted to make his mom proud, not be the disappointment after all of her sacrifices. So he would, when he was trying that triple Lutz, he said he fell on the ice. I want to say it was like four thousand, like thousands of times. Oh my gosh! To the point where he developed like a cyst on his hip and had to have that removed. So, at what point do you just let it go? Stop! Yeah. (laughs) He carried that message into life. When you fall, just keep getting back up. He teases that his hobby is beating life-threatening illnesses, <laughs> which I can totally relate. Just, I, I hate to laugh, but cancer and loss both haven't stopped Scott Hamilton. If anything, it sparked something for him to live more, do more, and be more for those around him. It's amazing to see the dedication to his mom, to you yeah. know, to her spirit. Still, she's very much alive today, and that's inspiring. I just love to see how much his mom is still alive and what he does. But another thing I'm super excited to find that Scott Hamilton's doing, Live Your Days. Oh. Have you heard of that? No. So it has a few podcast episodes that Bart Millard, Kevin Nealon, I think he okay. was on SNL. Okay. Allison Sweeney, Christy Yamaguchi, to name a few. These are people that um, I think he's interviewed on the podcast. Okay. But it's totally free. You can sign up. It's a 30-day oh, challenge. Yeah. I'm like a week into it. So I'm... Oh, I'm very cool. I'm a week more of living my day daily. <laughs> but That's you get awesome. a daily email to remind you of what's important. They talk about presentness and just oh, being, being in the moment. Alive. Yes, exactly. And one of the quotes on there is, it's not about embracing the fact that we don't control the number of days we have on this earth. We only can control what we do with them. Yeah. It's a challenge to decide what living means to you. It's a call to live fully, fully live each day. So I just love that. And he's got 70 title awards, all sorts of honors. He's a 1990 U.S. Olympic Hall of Famer. He's a member of the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame. And really, it's all because of what his mom sacrificed. And I just love that he's keeping her spirit alive. And if that isn't inspiring, I don't know what is. The circumstances you face in your life and in your work that are not ideal become the very reason you decide to be a champion. Scott Hamilton. So, Amy, I know you're taking in more of the Olympic Games than me. I love to watch the recaps. Yeah, that's, they're fun, yeah. And a lot of the pictures. I like the pictures and the stories with them. But I have gotten a little bit of action lately as well. Swimming and fencing were on last night, and I could only take in so much fencing. Okay. It's a, it's a little dry, but... Truly what pulled me in to stay for a while was the commentator noting that several of the members from Team USA were from the Peter Westbrook Foundation. Oh, cool. So Daryl Homer, Curtis McDowell, Yeser Ramirez, Khalil Thompson, all on Team USA, oh. um, were from this Peter Westbrook Foundation, which got me curious. Yeah. But in 1987, a friend of Peter Westbrook suggested that Peter organize a fencing clinic for inner city kids and kids that were at risk. The Peter Westbrook Foundation launched February 1991, and it's a nonprofit that uses the sport of fencing to help build life skills in underserved communities with low to moderate incomes. Which I wouldn't have known any of this without watching the Olympics, so I love it. But the foundation helps teach 
good sportsmanship, critical thinking, responsibility. They also include an AEP, Academic Enrichment Program, which, you know, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. It gives kids some one-on-one tutorial support and helps them prepare for the SAT, the PSAT, core academic classes, and teaches them effective homework skills. Oh, which is, I think that's the, I think that's key. All of it. Yeah. So impressive. But the program is obviously making an impact in the world, obviously, with, you know, four of yeah. USA. Well, and a beat to Hodge. Yeah. Right yeah, 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 yeah. So that's cool. So when I dug into it a little bit deeper, the history of the Peter Westbrook Foundation made me admire the founder even more. This former Sabre competitor um, champion was bullied as a child. Oh. His father was a African-American GI in the Korean War, and he met and married a Japanese woman, and settled. they settled down in New Jersey after the war. Peter and Vivian, his sister, were born. But the father and and his his parents didn't um, they sadly divorced and the dad didn't stick around so Aww. the dad took off when Peter was four his dad left and I just can't imagine the stress his mother must have had yeah. in coming from Japan and and A new country and so she worked a number of odd jobs to try and pay for um, and support the family they struggled obviously with money but his mother stayed strong which I admire. Peter was teased and bullied because of his mixed race. His mother, Mariko, encouraged him to try fencing. She saw it as a way to keep Peter out of trouble, which I think is brilliant. When he was struggling with kids making fun of him, his mother said, quote, Do not cry. Work hard to be ethical and to fight to achieve our goals. And if we should survive the fight, we should get up and fight some more. I just, I I love that she was saying to stand up to the bullies. be you. He must have listened to her vice. Peter participated on five Olympic teams. He won bronze in 1984. He was a flag bearer in the 1992 Barcelona Games. I guess that's like they vote on that. They, okay. Like, yeah. it's, like it's an honor to be right. a flag bearer. Right. Yet another story of someone making the best of a bad situation. He wrote a book called Harnessing Anger, The Interdiscipline of Athletic Excellence. It's on Amazon. I gotta say, I'm kind of curious to yeah, read it. Yeah, that sounds um, good. Definitely making the best of a bad situation and then helping others to do the same. I just made the Olympics even better. Oh, for sure. About Peter Westbrook. So my favorite part, getting to know, <laughs> getting to know Amy better. Who would play you in a movie? Full disclosure, I asked my daughter Lucy <laughs> and she said Sarah Paulson. I didn't know who she was, but I looked her up. I guess, you know, she's, you know, I don't, I'm not really familiar with her as an actress, but What yeah. has she been in? I'm going to have to look it up. We'll have to look I it up. Uh, the 12 Year Slave. I haven't seen that. I haven't either. And then Nurse Ratchet. <gasps> yes. I haven't seen that one either. Yes, that's very good. you okay. got to watch that. Which fictional character do you most relate to? Well, Velma from <laughs> Scooby-Doo, because I love mysteries, and I yes. love, I don't know, yeah. so something about that, her, her thought she's process. She's smart. Yeah. I just and like, she's, she's behind kind of the scenes. Yeah. I just yeah. love it. I can see that. I can see that. What's your most controversial opinion about something mundane? Well, like you, it's going to be related to food. <laughs> I like to use the fork sometimes at home <laughs> with sushi. <laughs> I... It's so kind of embarrassing. Was saying, probably, we just did sushi yeah. at work, and yeah. they were saying it's very important that you put the whole thing in your mouth, mouth right? And, and just in one bite. But those the rolls are Sometimes ginormous, and yeah. no, I can't. So, so I understand the fork with that. I get it. 
What's your go-to midnight snack? Gummy bears. <laughs> That's good choice. Good choice. I like Swedish fish are good though. Oh, too. I love Swedish fish too. Yeah. And red vine. But, um, <laughs> yeah. The red dye. See, Craig likes red vines. I like the black licorice. Okay. What's the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up? A school teacher. Oh. I used to play school in oh. my dad's closet when I was little. <laughs> I don't know why the I like this little closet. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. His, I don't know, shelves or something. Yeah. So. Oh, that's adorable. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Helen Keller. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.